And a good morning to you. Bruce Claggett in for Mike Smith, and it is indeed time for Baldry's Beat. On this, the week where we have a new session underway with government's new priorities and challenges, Keith Baldry joining us now. Good morning to you, Keith. Morning, Bruce. So we have uh, our first taste, I guess, of what the new session is going to be like, uh, and that's a you know, a bit of a taste, a bit of a look mm-hmm. ahead to uh, not only the priorities, but some of the challenges facing this uh, this new session. What are we seeing? Well, I think you're seeing a, a B.C. Liberal caucus that is getting more confident uh, over time uh, as they take on a government that now has a mounting series of challenges and issues and controversies. The longer they've been in power, more than five years now. So, of, of course, baggage is going to accumulate. The chief, One of the chief problems right now was two, really, uh, uh, in terms of political hay. One is the, what's going on in the healthcare system in terms of the crisis that seems to be confronting people at all levels. And the other one is street crime. And then, of course, there's the ongoing issues of affordability. So the Liberals yesterday came out pretty aggressively demanding that Adrian Dix resign, which is sort of an old-school tactic. And um, the joke amongst the press guy reporters was, well, you just made Adrian Dix health minister for life <laughs> because uh, governments don't give in to calls to resignations anymore. It's almost it's called not giving trophies to the opposition. But that's an example, I think, of the more aggressive approach the Liberals are going to be taking in this session towards the NDP government. Much more, I think, uh, hypercritical on a number of issues because I think the NDP, they sense the NDP is vulnerable when it comes to health care, when it comes to dealing with, with the rising issue of things like street crime, for example. Affordability is, has been around for a decade. It's not going away, but I think the two new issues are what's going on in health care and the sudden rise in random violence in communities. Uh, and I think those, that's sort of fresh, fresh uh, meat for the Liberals to dine out on. Can they handle both at once and still have it as uh, such a big deal, make it into the issue that they want to go into the election next year on? Or is it uh, is it choose one and go hard? Well, I think you can go on a number of fronts. I think the, the health care is going to be a gift that keeps on giving because there are so many problems associated with it, with the, with the um you know, escalating staff shortages, but you can you can wed uh, other issues to it: street crime, mental health issues, uh, the ongoing issue of affordability. One of the challenges the Liberals have is the legislature, frankly, is less relevant than it was a decade ago or two decades ago. Question period is no longer the big thing that it used to be for so long as media becomes more fractured and splintered in terms of its impact on on the the voting public. It's harder for the opposition to get a platform and to to have a voice that is heard with the same volume that uh, I think opposition parties were able to, to use to their advantage, say, 10 20 years ago, before the rise of social media, before the, the fractured media landscape, the legislature was more relevant and had a more, more of an impact on what the goings-on in there, had more of an impact on the voting public than it does today. And that's one of the challenges the opposition faces. Now, we're seeing the BC Ambulance Paramedics Union is uh, starting bargaining now. Do you think that this is going to be something that gets traction, especially as we continue to hear all these terrible stories, mostly in the interior, but not exclusively in the interior, of delays and problems? Is this a uh, vulnerability for the NDP? 
Oh, for sure. Um, anytime you've got long waits for ambulance or care, uh, and we're seeing this, you know, we're seeing now long waits in the cancer side of the healthcare system. The cancer treatment program in BC for years was sort of the the gold star when it came to top-notch healthcare, and we even seeing because of staff shortages and burnout on that side, we're seeing that start to fall apart. Uh, so when you, you couple that with long ambulance wait times. It's harder for the government to get traction with the voters now, as you say, in sort of the rural areas of the province where they feel a disproportionately higher impact from a shortage of health care services. So that's a a real challenge for the NDP. But I think um, the NDP is going to be more vulnerable come the next election than it was the last couple because, again, the, the pandemic is sort of winding to an end. Governments are looked upon differently than they were at the height of the pandemic in 2020 when the NDP had that massive majority. And again, by the time the next election rolls around, uh, you're going to have an ongoing issue with inflation, housing shortages, high rents, and then you throw in a, a crumbling healthcare system and this rising street crime situation, which is people rightly concerned. And, and the government, I heard your interview with Brad West, and Mayor West's criticism very interesting. Too many committees and panels and not enough action. And I think the Liberals are going to pick up on that thing going forward as well. Oh, absolutely. And the Liberals have a new MLA in Eleanor Sturko that joined yesterday uh, in the legislature. Now she's a former RCMP spokesperson in Surrey. Can we expect her to take more of a role leveraging that uh, public profile as a RCMP spokesperson? Uh, more of a role in this tough-on-crime uh, look? Well, here's a clue. Uh, her seat in the legislature, um, the government shru- or the opposition shrewdly put her right behind uh, Liberal Leader Kevin Falcon and House Leader Todd Stone. So when the Hanser television cameras are on and it makes it onto the newscast, every time Falcon's on his feet or Stone, who are the number one and two speakers of the caucus, you're going to see Eleanor Sturko in the shot. And that was done deliberately to give her more profile. So, yes, I think she is going to emerge as a tough-on-crime spokesperson for the Liberals. Uh, They've been searching high and low for some effective communicators in the House. And she had a long history, of course, as a communications person for the RCMP, a staff sergeant. So, yes, look for her to have a, a considerably higher profile uh, in the in the uh, this session and particularly next session as well. well an effective communicator indeed. In fact, uh, some of that communication and some of the messaging around that uh, goes back quite a ways. Uh, here's what she said over the summer, by the way. When we are talking about people that do pose a danger, we have to make sure that we're providing instruction and resources to our Crown prosecutors to make sure that they can make arguments where appropriate to keep people who pose a significant risk in custody. Now, talking about the people that are prolific offenders in that case, Eleanor Storko uh, talking about one approach. But, uh, you know, the approaches can be just simply tough on crime, meaning penalties, and that of course, probably falls more into the criminal code or resources which fall into the provincial side. Do you think this is going to be something that the uh, government uh, ends up kicking over to the federal side? Well, the government certainly, when pressed on this, they point out that that they're at the mercy of Supreme Court of Canada decisions or um, federal crown of sentencing guidelines. Uh, The pressure is going to be on the government to, uh, again, I I think there's a mood out there of not 
to be touchy-feely on this stuff. People are looking when they hear about these horrific situation of someone doing violence and then getting out on bail with, with a promise to reappear. Uh, I think the public has just had enough of that. So there's there's going to be a rising mood of support for incarceration uh, and such. And the opposition liberals are going to push on that hard, that the answer is not to be nice to people and let them out on bail after they wave a machete around, but it's to keep them secure away from the public. And the government, I think, is a little vulnerable on this issue because I think they're a little sensitive and probably, I think, fall back a little too much on the federal government and court decisions as a, sort of an excuse, which the Liberals will lab, labor, uh, label not as an excuse, but a crutch uh, to be soft on crime. So I think crime is an issue that's going to develop as a key election issue that we haven't seen for quite some time. We've never seen crime as a real pivotal moment in terms of provincial elections, and I think it could be an issue the Liberals can can. You know, the Liberals have to regain ground in the suburbs of Metro Vancouver, and that's an issue that really plays well to them uh, in in Metro Vancouver when when you see so many reports of, and again, unfortunately, a lot of it is mental health uh, linked, but the reality is when you've got people uh, committing crimes of violent nature in the suburbs of Metro Vancouver, the government's going to wear that. This is Bruce Claggett in for Mike Smith this morning. We're talking with Keith Baldry, Global News Legislative Bureau Chief. And we'd love to hear from you, 604-280-9898. What should the government priorities be? According to you, what do you think? And what about crime? Is it uh, issue number one, two, or three for you? Hmm. Love to uh, hear some of those thoughts. Keith, we also should mention that, uh, you know, the city of Vancouver, this race, so-called race, maybe down to just a couple uh, people. How are we looking at this in terms of how Vancouver is going to go into uh, its next term with possibly a new mayor and uh, that relationship with the province? Are they going to shift a lot of things to uh, the province in solving things like affordability? Well, it seems to be a, a two-way race between Ken Sim and Kennedy Stewart, although Colleen Hardwick uh, can't be discounted. But it's interesting, Kennedy Stewart's a former NDP MP in Ottawa. And I noticed, it became very apparent early in the pandemic, the relationship between Kennedy Stewart and the government over here fractured. You would think an NDP government, NDP MP would get along just fine. But I can tell you, talking to a number of cabinet ministers uh, over the, the first part of the pandemic, not impressed with Kennedy Stewart's regular demands that, that Victoria, the provincial government, step in and fund them and give them money and solve everything. So that relationship is not as strong as a lot of people may think would be the case between an NDP, a former NDP MP and an NDP government. So there's that. So I don't think necessarily a Ken Sim victory uh, would would you know, deteriorate the relationship between Vancouver and the provincial government. But one thing I think all governments have learned in the pandemic, the need to work together has never been more apparent. Um, everyone has to help each other out. So it'll be interesting when it comes to um, the outcome of how critical either side is of each other. As I say, the NDP cabinet, not impressed with Kenny Stewart early on for demanding that the provincial government solve all of Vancouver's problems. He has since uh, gone quiet on that front. He hasn't been like that for, for a little while. But that was a reminder, again, that 
mayors have to be careful when it comes to criticizing senior levels of government if they want cooperation and indeed resources. And the word resources now has never been more uh, important, Bruce, because the lack of resources, which and I'm talking human resources, is everywhere. There's staff shortages right. in so many places, whether it's BC ferries, uh, whether it's the healthcare system. Um, there are people who are sick from COVID-19. That's one element. There's record number of retirements because the boomer generation is retiring in greater numbers and earlier in the pandemic than ever before. Uh, and you've got burnout in some sectors as well. You put all this together and there's not a lot of resources governments can ship to each other. It's not just uh, coming out with cap in hand and asking for uh, money. Sometimes you have to actually put some thought into how to get things like those resources and people actually applying for jobs. Uh, up in Mackenzie, Garth, uh, what do you think when it comes to government priorities? Well, you know, I've been listening for a while now, and um, I enjoyed the segment you had that featured all the candidates and their policies. Um, to be honest, I think the candidate that has the most developers in their hip pockets going to win, but some people don't like to call it like it is. I was just uh, wondering what Keith thought about this problem down on the east side of Vancouver with the tents and all that kind of stuff. You know, I remember when the Winter Olympics were in Vancouver, they cleaned that place up in about 18 minutes. Now, eight months later, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot being done. What are your thoughts on that, Keith? No, that's a good question, Keith. Uh, what do you think? I actually lived down there in, as a student way back when. I lived at Carroll and Hastings. Um, so, again, it's, a, it's, it's amazing what, how that's developed down there. I'm not sure what the easy answer is. Uh, and I note, though, Bruce, um, Brad West used the word Riverview in your, your interview with him. He sure uh, did. Kevin, Kevin Falcon has raised this as well. Um, the, institu- the institutionalization was all the rage for a number of years, but I wonder whether you're going to see more advocacy for reinstituting uh, people with serious mental health issues and not leaving them to, li- to live on the street, because more than one person, whether they have mental health challenges or not, uh, they t- tell the media when we go down there and interview them, well, where are we supposed to go? Um, there's no place for us to go. And there's just not enough single-room occupancy hotels. And, again, I wonder whether or not you're going to see a cry for coming up with another institution similar to Riverview to house people with serious mental health issues rather than living, letting them live on Hastings Street in the downtown east side. Or, or even as Mayor West uh, points out, is there a 2022 version of a Riverview? I think everyone knows that Riverview is and wasn't the ultimate uh, answer, but uh, can it be updated? So it may be something they have to address. Good point. It's a debate that's going to be revisited for sure. Garth, thanks for the call. Laura and Ladner, your thoughts? Oh, hi there. I was just wondering about the crime situation. What can be done uh, legal-wise? I I would love to have like a a lawyer or somebody from the Justice Institute or or somebody that could honestly say what can be done because laws have got to change so that people aren't running around after they've been arrested and running out at you know, on the street doing the same thing again. Well, thanks, Laura, and uh, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. Uh, When it comes to those laws, uh, you know, where do the politicians step in? Where does the judiciary step in? And, you know, what's our confusion with knowing who to blame? Well, it seems, one of the big problems seems to have flown from a Supreme Court decision. And I'm not a lawyer. You know, get Kyla Lee or someone else on here about this. But about um, really restricting the Crown's ability to keep people uh, incarcerated on, on, rather than giving them bail. 
And that seems to be, you know, the Liberals have flagged this in the House several times. So how can someone who has 200 or 300 interactions with the police, like on a daily basis, doing um, activities that amount to crimes, be continually allowed to be on the street, never incarcerated, never put in jail, because this court decision seems to, uh, at least the Crown is interpreting, they must, you know, they can't keep them in jail unless there's an extraordinary situation. So, again, it'd be interesting to get a, a... criminal defense attorneys take on that. And we'll have to do that. I think that's important. Keith Baldry uh, caught by the clock, of course, but uh, appreciate your time as always.